When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look at the time. Just like that, the final hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, Tuesday edition across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're joining us on this great radio partner, we salute that. We say hello. Also on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe while you're there. Search out Outkick. Hit that subscription button. Ring that bell. That way you'll be alerted every time we go live, 3 o'clock Eastern daily. You can get all the great shows across the network, and you can join us in the chat uh, anytime live and then on demand rewatch uh, some of the best uh, chats, interviews, opinions, and more uh, from any of the shows. Chad, my opinion on college baseball has changed. Not in a drastic degree, but I will say and admit, I have watched more college baseball at the World Series over the last three or four days than I have my entire life, probably combined. And it all stems from being back home this weekend for Father's Day weekend. And that being the one thing that was on, and my mom and dad are watching it. They're into it. Not because a home state team's played. They're just, they like college athletics. So they're watching this, and I'm sitting there watching. I'm, I actually got into the game. It, 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 it helped that it was a high-scoring game, or it had some drama. Uh, it helped that the players are you know, pissed off at the umpire, who was awful, uh, with strike zone. Point being, there is some drama to it now, and I don't feel like it's manufactured. And I also think the broadcast is a bit more honest with it, which makes it feel a, a bit more like a, a massive event instead of just something they're propping up as good because it's television programming that they need this time of year. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. Uh, that's, and, and that's also me fully admitting like I'm leaning more into it because of the product itself. I'm not watching college baseball except for this time of year, if I do at all. But I have been more into it. I'm, I'm intrigued if you have been as well. Yeah, my opinion has improved from college baseball, but I'd also like to point out that it's about as low as it could go when it started, my, my opinion of the sport. And I am a baseball fan. I've never been able to fully invest in college baseball for a number of reasons. Hutton, you mentioned the umpiring. It's terrible. It's terrible at the Awful. College World Series level, which I'm thinking there's not good college umpires that can see a strike zone. There's not many good college officials, period, for many sports now. Yeah, and that look, you know? that's a that's a bigger topic for another day yeah. on officiating in general and how I know. it's more and more difficult to get people to do it. So I don't want to completely bury, you know, the umpires and the officials that at least they've gotten into it at some point and are I have doing to, it. I have to tell myself though, even at the College World Series level, and I'm with you, it should be a lot better. You have major leagues, you have minor leagues, and I'm thinking like where the umps would be that you're picking from that, that are available to do this on an annual basis. The best ones, I'm saying. I well, guess it's, it's the best of the, of the group that you have to work with, right? Yeah. It's, it, look, I, it's better than I thought going in, the overall product, okay? So my opinion of the sport has improved, and I've never been a big college baseball guy. 
But my big takeaway, watching a little bit more of the sport the last really probably year and a half, two years, that I've, I've paid a little bit closer attention. This is a sport filled with maniacs. It has been hijacked by completely insane people. And it does up the entertainment value of it. But in a very WWE way, it is insane some of the stuff that goes on on the diamond and off. You're watching right now a celebration from Wake Forest right now <laughs> where a guy is thrusting in the face of his teammate at a post-game <laughs> celebration. But some of the home run celebrations that have carried over into Major League Baseball that are fun, that's pretty fun to watch. I'm watching Wake Forest LSU l- last night. The Wake Forest pitcher is a nut job. The guy is spinning his glove in the air after every strikeout like he's in the circus. He's unbuttoning buttons during at-bats to throw harder. He's auditioning for Savannah menacing in a way that he's doing all this crazy (laughs) stuff. It's insane to see the link some of these guys will go to to shout at the other team, to scream after a strikeout. It's just, I don't know when it happened. I remember as a kid, I'd watch the College World Series at old Rosenblatt Stadium in Omaha and watch it on TV when they would come on, you know, it'd be on ABC when they'd get to the final game or whatever. I remember watching the LSU team, and I remember thinking, and I'm playing Little League Baseball at the time, and I'm thinking, man, this sport is so pure because these guys, when they walk, they sprint to first base. Remember that? The trend was you walk and you never walk. You're in a dead sprint to first. I'm thinking, I'm going to start doing that in my 11, 12-year-old baseball game this weekend. I really admire these guys because they were giving it their all at all times. And now I watch college baseball, and I'm thinking – if my 10, 11-year-old kid pulled half the crap these college baseball players pull in the game, they are inviting a fight at all times. Like they, it, the whole game is a razor's edge of sport versus I want you to come fight me right now. Punch me in the face, please. Come up here and smack me in the face for doing this. I'm going to give you every <laughs> reason to do it. Both teams, no one's innocent in this game. It is a sport filled with maniacs. It is... The attitude era of WWE in the 90s is what we're witnessing in college baseball right now. I don't know when it changed. I don't know what happened. I know a year ago, the Tennessee team took a lot of crap for being a big part of that. It was happening before that, I think. But I watch this College World Series, and I'm thinking to myself, there are a bunch of insane people playing this game, and I kind of love it because it does have an entertainment value to it. And I also think this is not great if you're trying to raise kids to play the game the right way and they're watching this, and they start pulling this in their kids' baseball games. Not exactly the example you want to set, but it's entertaining. Davey, Chad, when did this happen? Well, when did I, this start? I, I was going to say, uh, to your WWE point, last year at the end of the season, they ended up having to implement a rule that would not allow for props to be used during celebrations outside of the dugout. That led to a few scuffles here or there. So they've had to really change what these teams are able to do while celebrating. Which is the Tony Vitello rule. Yeah, the Tennessee was a big impact for that. They, they, changed, they clarified the rule, and then now everyone does it. Here, here's where I think it changed. Um, when I was in college, I feel like... I'm dating myself here. I feel like the old man already, and I'm about to reference old men. Tell us about the war. I feel like the college coaches in my college era were old. The average college baseball coach right now is 35 years old. That's when it changed. The, the coaches of the era that I think of in college baseball aged out. And guys like Tony V and others are in 
and they're in style and they know what to allow and what not to allow instead of you know running down to first base you allow a guy to you know get to first hit a double get to second and then celebrate it because they'd rather th- those guys have fun in the dugout and have some camaraderie again i I, I notice it too. It's jarring if you're not used to it. But I think it's the age of the head coaches more than it is the age of the players or the era that we're seeing. I'll also say I worked for a SEC team in 2016, and the way in which they went about it was like what you're describing, Hut. They did not have all these, like, I'm going to get in your face, the way I'm going to flaunt is is going to be put on display for everyone to see. So that change has happened, I would say, between – I would say between 2018 is probably around the time you started to see that switch and and then it's just been even more prevalent since COVID kind of happened and that season was canceled yeah let me, but let me I clarify mean, even, by the way the 35 it, that's for all employed head baseball coaches in the United States 12,793 head baseball coaches in the U.S. average age is 35 yeah and, but even the 35 year olds didn't grow up playing that way I think it's the 35-year-old that is more apt to just let their kids be kids and do what they want and not care about the attitude or personality of the team as much. So it changed somewhere along the line with the kids that have been playing the last three to four years, let's say. Well, I think also the, the, the rules allow them to do it more now. Yeah, I just think there's a – look, I, again, I'm clear – I'm stating I, for my personal preference, I am more entertained – Right? I feel like I'm watching Maximus I, right now. I no, am entertained. I agree. When I watch this Wake Forest guy throw a strikeout and start flipping his glove in the air in excitement and take it off. Like it's 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 entertaining to watch, but there's also there's not even a fine line. There's a big difference between celebrating and what running off the field and celebrating with teammates or doing a dance after a home <laughs> run when you get to the dugout yeah. versus throwing a strikeout and walking towards the opposing dugout and grabbing your crotch and uh, pounding your chest and saying, come get it, bro. Like, th- that's what's happening. Like, th- there is just, I'm going to not just strike you out. I'm going to F-bomb you on the way back to the dugout in your shame as you go back there. And then the entire dugout's going to stand up and stare at me doing it. Like, there's a big difference. Now, there's not a, they don't want to fight. As a friend of ours just once said, I don't These think they want to fight. fight. These guys don't want to fight. There's not a lot of brawls happening, but... Or even fake ones where yeah. you, you clear the dugout. That's I, not even happening. I joked about this coaching a, a kid's game. I'm like, you can talk all you want amongst yourselves and get excited. Don't talk to me. Like, if you're the opposing coach, don't say anything to me. That That's when I'm going to get mad. Yeah. But if you want to celebrate and yell at your kids and yell with you, great. I'm not going to pay attention to it. But the moment you say something to me, we got a problem. And maybe it's just a new generation of kids that just accepts trash talk for trash talk and they don't want to take it to the other level. Um, we got to talk about this with Kurt Schilling at some point. I feel like in Kurt Schilling's era, had that happened with him on his teams, there would be hell to pay if some pitcher started doing that towards well, the dugout. Well, yeah, because someone's going to pay for it in the next inning or the next at bat for the, the, the whatever player they're going to throw at, right? Yeah. That's what would happen. You take one in the ear hole. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a weird time to watch the sport because well, I feel like that sport is Major League Baseball still far superior to me, and I am a little bit traditional when it comes to baseball and what I want to watch in baseball. I'm fine with that. Yeah, but I also watch. And I, I think this. I I get the appeal of the college game for this reason. 
It is a souped-up well, sports entertainment version of Major League Baseball that's not played at, at the same level. Well, but it's still but, they've got very talented guys playing. They do, but 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 this is also where I think it's gone to their favor. It's on the mound. These guys aren't on pitch counts. You know, they're just coaches are leaving them in there. They're just dealing because they, they want to win. They want their best player on the. So, and this is at the highest level, the College World Series I'm speaking of here. But you don't feel like, oh, you've reached a, a certain amount. You've thrown 79 pitches. We can't let you get to 81, so we're going to take you out here because you're about to face a new batter. You know, there's none of that that, go on, that goes on. And so it does feel like the old Major League days in that way, where you have your best guy dealing, throwing 100 in the eighth. And, and so I, I do appreciate that. And I also think like they're... Um, if this were going on in Major League Baseball, and some of it does, the home run celebrations and other things in the dugout, I do think we'll see more and more of it because these guys will eventually make their way up there. Point being, though, Chad, I, if this happens at the Major League level, we will see more bench-clearing aspects of it. And eventually, I think that goes away, too. Because by and large, you get to a certain point where the majority of the players are just used to this, and you don't really take offense to it as much as you just kind of nod and laugh and say, oh, when I get mine... I'll gesture at you too. It's like a WWE promo more than it is a, a, an offense to the the opposing dugout. Well, remember the Jose Bautista bat flip controversy? Yeah, yes, that was like five or six years ago, maybe. Think yeah. about that. And that's that's every home run that, in college uh, baseball. Double, double or triple down. There's a there's seen, a chant. I have seen guys. They're chanting. I mean, I'm not even joking. I've seen guys, what looks like they're throwing the bat into the opposing dugout <laughs> on a home run. Not just a bat flip, I mean, but they're like hammering it down in the direction of the other dugout and yelling at them on home runs. I think the home run celebration stuff is fun. Yeah. Even in Major League Baseball, like when they get in the dugout with their team and they put on the silly hat or do whatever, like whatever, that's, that's fine. I, I wouldn't take big offense to that if I were the opposing team. I, but what we see in college baseball on a double or is triple, a lot more than that. I've only seen, I've only noticed, and you, you've maybe seen more than me here because I'm seeing in passing and streaming these games. I only see it when they they're looking at their dugout when they're doing this, though. I haven't seen the the taunting aspect of the opposing dugout, and this is happening. I mean, I want to. I'm I'm all for it. Well, it's, it's all sides. Like, it's not just, oh, pitchers are acting crazy or right, batters right. are acting everyone. crazy or people in the field are acting crazy. It's like a super testosterone version of the game where everyone's trying to fight everybody at all times in their celebrations. Davey, you do a post-game but yeah, no show one fights. for this, right? No yeah. one fights. For, college, for the College World Series. And the fans are just as into it as the players. And whenever There's you kind of have There's still the same anxiety yeah. in the crowd. You see the parents hugging and... Fingers crossed. I mean, it, I mean, the sport's grown over the last several years, and the more antics you kind of see on the field, I think that actually gets more people to tune into the product. I think two college coaches figured out a way to recruit kids to go to college and play and have the same type of exposure that you would get riding a bus or staying in the Motel 6 in the minors. And I will say... I think that also factors in yeah, here. I, the, the way in which you recruit for baseball is unlike any other sport, because you also have to worry about kids you're recruiting just going pro and signing with the team right then and there. Yeah, signability, right, is a big, big part of it. It is a bit jarring uh, in, in a good way. I've seen a mock draft for the Major League Baseball draft coming up in July. They moved it off of the, the postseason. It's, it used to be early June, right? I think so. 
used to be early June. Now it's in July, which is great during the All-Star break. Uh, teams don't like it. I think it's fair for the players that are playing in the postseason tournament for their team not to have to worry about if they're getting drafted or not that, in that exact moment. Um, there's only like two or three high school kids that are in the top 10 to 15, which is rare for me to see. A lot of them are from the Power 2, Big 10 and SEC uh, for, for the baseball programs, I've noticed, which is great. Yeah. That builds brands. Well, the transfer portal. And, and some of those guys are playing right now. Yeah. Transfer portals completely changes. The guy who's going to go number one in the MLB this year was playing at Air Force last year. He's now the best pitcher for uh, LSU, LSU, and they play tonight. Which, he's, is he pitching tonight? No, no, he's not. He's unbelievable. Paul he Skeens. Nuts. And he's, and he's, he's a fun one to watch. And he's not, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Like a beach ball hit the outfield, what, two nights ago, three nights ago, against Tennessee. And he turns around, they pitch an umpire called pause, you know, time. He turns around, starts laughing and gesturing at the outfield crowd. And he's, he's dealing. He'd already struck out like six or seven at that point. It's when you're in a good mindset. Yeah. Hey, always in a good mindset. Jokic. We'll find out where he is currently after winning the title. Play-by-play announcer Chris Marlowe next on Hot Mike. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on. Glad you're with us here on the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, last time we had Chris Marlowe uh, join us, Nuggets were preparing to uh, win, a, win a title. They were the favorite, playing the eight seed. We thought they would make it look easy. After game two, we thought we, we had a long series we on tried, our hands. We, we were praying for a long series, right? We, we, we convinced ourselves it was going series. six or seven games. Um, not, not the case. The Nuggets had a different idea. What a team. The, 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 the nation saw the Denver Nuggets. Despite having the, the two-time MVP on the roster, I feel like we had a, a, an announcement that the Nuggets are, are here and here to stay They've based arrived. on the contract status and the star status that they now possess. Chris Marlowe is the play-by-play voice of the Denver Nuggets who joins us uh, once again on Hot Mike. Chris, great to see you, man. Hope things are well. Things couldn't be better. Have you... We're living the dream out here. What's the most excited moment you've witnessed Jokic have publicly? Uh, I think there were, there were moments in Game 5 when he was really animated. Uh, there were some big plays. What about post-game? Uh, Pardon me? Post-game, though. Like, what he did after, we, we commended it, but it was just, it, not emotionless, but just not, it, he'd reached the top of the mountain, and it was just an exact opposite of what we saw from Murray. Yeah, I think uh, Nikola Jokic is more workmanlike than Murray. He considers it a job. He doesn't consider it the number one thing in his life. Uh, he's got a wife. He's got a baby. He's got a country. Uh, and they all come first. Uh, he was happy to win. Was it the, the, the greatest thing that has ever happened to him in his life? No, I don't think it was greatest sports achievement for him. Yes. And I, I think he proved to all the, uh, the naysayers out there that, uh, yeah, not only is he great, but the Denver Nuggets are a team to be reckoned with for years to come. We had a lot of fun with his reaction to finding out he had to stay a couple days for the parade at the time, the look of disdain on his face. But it did look like he was having fun at the parade. So I, I, I do think he's probably happy he stayed 
and stuck around for the parade. What what was that scene like, Chris? And did you have as much fun as Michael Malone had during, <laughs> the, during that parade? Well, first of all, I agree with you on Jokic. Uh, you know, he, he probably had a flight planned for the next day somehow and then found out that the uh, – that the parade was going to be on Thursday. So you got that great answer. Oh, no. Oh, hey, no. But, but before you <laughs> but enter the I parade, think... before you enter the parade, Chad yeah. and I joked uh, that a good prank would have been like at the parade to tell him that he had to throw out a first pitch at a Rockies game on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the parade starts next week. Yeah. And then see what happens. <laughs> yeah. How, it was a magical was experience. And I, I think once he got going with it, uh, once he got to the parade, now I had never been in a uh, you know a championship basketball parade. I I did experience one as a, as an Olympian in '84 when we got a ticker tape parade in New York uh, for winning gold medals, and that was fantastic as, as a participant. And I think that's kind of the thing that hit Nikola Jokic once he was in the parade, going, "Oh my God, this is fantastic!" Uh, I don't I don't know what I was talking about. I love the parade. I love the parade, and uh, so I, I think he went with it and. Uh, he, he was the, maybe the second happiest person at the parade uh, next to head coach Michael Malone. <laughs> so uh, I want to get to Malone in a moment, but while we're talking championships Happy here, is one way to describe uh, it, by yes. the way, Chris. That's one way to describe it. <laughs> um, is the sentiment behind the scenes within the Nuggets organization, and maybe just in Denver overall, that if Murray doesn't get hurt, this isn't their first title, it's their second title? Yeah, Absolutely. I, I think uh, things were trending upward in 2020. They met the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. They lost in six. Uh, then Murray tears up his knee. I think Murray would have been a three, three-time All-Star. He would have been a three-time All-Star. The Nuggets probably would have won a championship prior. Uh, when they had the lineup intact with Murray and Porter healthy, they were really good. And I, I think they proved that when they got into this year's uh, playoffs you know, they, they dispatched Minnesota pretty easily. Uh, they had to grind with Phoenix, but ended up beating them by double figures in the last two games, and particularly the closeout game by 15 or 18 at their place. And then they swept the Lakers and then got by uh, Miami. Uh, it seemed tougher. When you look on paper, it's 4-1. It's a, it's a gentleman's sweep. It was tougher than that. But, uh, yeah, the Nuggets are good, and uh, I think they had a really impressive run. Obviously, the NBA is the top basketball league in the world, so it's different from that perspective. But when I watch Jokic and his response, and you talked about, you know, basketball is important to him, but he's got other things that are more important in his life. His re response of, you know, the job is done. I can go home now. And I thought, <laughs> man, that's crazy because you see all these guys win the title and they're, they're crying throughout the years. It's such uh -huh. a big moment. But then I thought, you know, it would be not that different from an American-born player that plays in Spain or Italy in their top league that wins a championship, and they're probably thinking, well, now I get to go back home. It's the offseason when, yeah. when you win it. So I, I don't think it was a lack of gratitude with Jokic, but it did really put it into perspective, his response with that. What is his relationship with the city of Denver while he's in the States and he's playing? Clearly he spends his off-seasons back home in Serbia, but what is his relationship like living in the city of Denver and being there during the season? I think he likes Denver a lot. It's it's kind of a perfect city for him. It's not New York or Los Angeles, Miami. Those are not Nikola Jokic-type cities. Uh, he comes from a small town, Sambor, in Serbia. 
Uh, Serbia is a beautiful place. So is Denver, Colorado. The fans have really gravitated towards Jokic. They know Jokic better than 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 the national people know him. He's quirky. He's unusual. He's really really funny. Uh, when you get to know him, you see some of these off 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 mic things that he goes through, and uh, I, I think they've really embraced him. And I I think. You know, it's always been said that John Elway is the most popular athlete ever to play in Denver. I think that's the general consensus. Uh, but Nikola Jokic is gaining on him. There's true love for Nikola Jokic here in the Mile High. Chris Marlowe is the play-by-play voice of the Denver Nuggets who joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. There are, there, there are a handful of really solid NBA coaches. And then that list is even smaller for the coaches that can keep their job long-term. Um, what is it about Michael Malone that puts him on that same on that same shelf with Kerr, with Spolstra, with Popovich? Because the list is not that long, Chris, of, of coaches who have to swap jobs and go to a new organization because either they can't get along with the superstar or they don't reach a certain level that new ownership wants them to meet. What what has allowed Malone to do that with this group? Yeah, I think it's been a combination of factors. The first would be a, a steady build. He came in, they won 30 games, then they won 40, then they won 46. It was a slow climb upward, a nice upward trajectory. And then when they had the disappointment of losing to Minnesota and not making the playoffs, uh, you know, the the management and the ownership, the Cronkies, staying with Michael Malone, they could have said, well, he can't get us to the next level. You hear that all the time. Uh, but he's a no-nonsense coach. He's the son of a coach. He's built the program. He has the unwavering support of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, the two stars on the team. That's crucial. You know that. Once the stars start bad-mouthing you, you're on your way out. Uh, the, the the general managers, uh, Tim Conley and, and Calvin Booth, who's done a sensational job, you know, have been on his side. And now, now he's got a chit. So it's his way. He, he, he did it with tough love. He's not afraid to speak his mind. Uh, he called out the team for lack of effort when they weren't playing well and they responded. And, uh, and then he put together one of the most memorable parade runs of all time. Uh, he was the star of the show for sure. You know, you look at the the contract, the, the team control for some of the star players, the Nuggets, and we've talked about it, Chris, it's a team that could win multiple titles with the nucleus they have right now. Then I see what Matt Ishby is doing in Phoenix as he's trying to form sort of a super team. How closely are you watching what's going on there now with the trade for Bradley Beal adding to Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? Well, I'm obviously watching every team in the Western Conference and, and trying to figure out how they're going to get better. I think Phoenix made the big deal. They're certainly better offensively, I think, with Bradley Beal. But Beal's never been known as a defensive stopper. And what the Suns have done, uh, you know, without Chris Paul, who's a, still a very good defender, tough as nails, that kind of thing, take charges, hard fouls. I, I, I think, uh, you know, Phoenix has gone all in, like they're going to try to outscore everybody in the Western Conference. And maybe that's the only way to do it because nobody can guard Nikola Jokic. Anthony Davis couldn't do it. Towns couldn't do it. Gobert can't. Embiid can't. Uh, and so maybe there, it's got to be a different philosophy now how we how we cover Jokic uh, that doesn't always work. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, there's an arms race now 
it's kind of interesting to listen to the shows. There's an arms race now. How do we beat the Denver Nuggets? And I, I think the Nuggets have done one thing that's really admirable. They play team basketball. They've built a wonderful team of pieces. It's like a jigsaw puzzle when we're younger, putting together the jigsaw pieces with Gordon and Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and KCP and, and Porter Jr. and all these guys, and they fit together perfectly this season. Now, can they go on and win again next season? We'll see. But uh, this season was really a joy to watch. That's the trick, right? Because uh, the, the best player, not just on the team but in the league, can play any role on any given night. He can impact the result, Jokic can, even if he's not putting up 41 points. I don't know if Durant does that, right? That, that, that to me separates the two starting lineups as I see it right now, even with Bill, and they got considerably better by, by, by trading for him uh, this offseason for next year. You, you guys have been around the block. There are certain players uh, going back to Magic Johnson, to Larry Bird, to LeBron James. There are players that make all the – Steve Nash comes to mind. Uh, uh, players that make everybody on the team better. Uh, when Nash was in Phoenix, everybody would go there with average like a career high. And, and yeah. I think that's true with Nikola Jokic, too. Bruce Brown, career year. Porter's had some career years. Murray is on the ascension. Uh, Christian Brown, a, a rookie from Kansas, the only rookie still playing in the playoffs. Important minutes. He, he's going to be a factor going forward. And, and they've got youngsters in the pipeline. So uh, I think making players better, you want to be a superstar, you want to be a leader, you want to be the MVP. Make your teammates better, and you get a lot of recognition for that. Last time uh, we, last time you joined us, we saw the the case behind you or the the shelves with some memorabilia. Did you add a piece of memorabilia yeah. from this from this title run? Yeah, I did. I, I don't know if you can see it from here, but it's the uh, the championship hats. Nice. The Olympian hat up here. I see the uh, yeah. Champions, the NBA Finals, and the uh, George Carl side basketball. I should get out of the way so you can see. No, it's it. good. No, we, that's great. I, 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 I was going to be uh, disappointed if you didn't add something, Chris. I know you weren't going <laughs> to add the gold medal up there, but uh, we you no, get no. The, yeah, you get the gold hat. You get the hat anyway. The the uh, the, the gold in uh, the NBA this past year, uh, mm. which is great for the organization. Forty seven years, uh, very deserving, uh, and this team especially. Chris, thank you for the time and the insight, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch up soon. Uh, anytime. Thanks a lot, fellas. Chris Marlowe there, the TV play-by-play voice of the Denver Nuggets, gold medalist, Team USA. I wonder if volleyball. he took any of the ticker tape from the ticker tape parade in New York City when he won the gold medal, if he has that on his mantle as well. Chad, there are some soccer clubs not even worried about winning, not just a gold medal, but just winning uh, based on chance and uh, derogatory things that are going on. Uh, they're just packing up and leaving the, the pitch. Yeah, uh, the, the story with New Zealand and Cutter in the game at half, right before half, there was a racial slur that was said to the defender for New Zealand, who also plays for Minnesota and MLS, and um, it led to words back and forth. New Zealand, their coach, players went to the official, told them what was said. They blew the whistle for halftime. They decided to do nothing to the player who said it. So New Zealand said, okay, well, our work here is done. We're not coming back out to play. And I believe they were up 2-0 at the time and decided to just walk off the game and not not play the rest of it. Uh, and this is Hutton in a string of other incidents well, like uh, this as USA well. USA and Mexico uh, yep. in the 89th minute in Las Vegas this past weekend. Um, the 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 referee stopped it. I don't the know. The official stopped it. I don't know this how one, to this feel This one happened in it. the uh, 40th minute. 
and it was just before halftime. Yeah, they and blew it was the one whistle, nil, then they one didn't come back the score. out. Yeah. Because they didn't take any action on the player who said it. They told the officials so they would do something to the player, and he, they got no card. They got didn't yeah. kick nothing. So they said, okay, we're, this is not Boxel, a good environment. Boxel, he's, a, a, I believe, a Samoan heritage. Is I, who was, and so, so the, uh, the, who, were they, who were they facing? This was in Qatar. They were playing Qatar. The other match was Ireland and Kuwait. Okay, so, so Qatar, the, the Qatari player, is saying that he also faced uh, some language that he didn't appreciate, which incited things. And That's what they're saying 24 hours later. The Qatari coach is saying, we back our guy. Apparently, they had a heated exchange and said things to each other, and then the official decided, we're not going to do anything. So, crazy story. And but this just is, decide, this, this hey, is happening in the friendly matches. What happens when you're actually playing for something? I guess people keep their mouths shut, or they just don't walk off the pitch and this one was mad. player against player, and over the weekend it was the fans, fans in attendance against players. against players. And they still called it. More coming, including a Price is Right injury that you've got to see. That's next. Show flying by today. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hunt and with Row Across the Outkick Network. YouTube is where you can find all of the videos on demand, all of the shows for uh, Outkick, and Outkick.com, of course, has all the shows, podcasts, and more under the Shows tab at the front page. Subscribe to the YouTube page while you're there. After you search out Outkick, give us a thumbs up. We have a little bit of breaking news. Can I give it to you, just a snippet of it? Yes. A preview of what we'll talk more about tomorrow? Can't wait. Bob Huggins' daughter has gone on a four-page tirade on her Instagram account against the university, okay? Let me give you just a little snippet of what she had to say, all right? My father is not an alcoholic. He drinks like 90% of us, and he made a mistake that cost him his job, reputation, his livelihood, which he didn't deserve. He told Gordon Gee and his board that he would go to rehab for a 60-day stint to be able to stay for these guys. The guys who don't want to play for anyone else. That's how much he cares. It was refused, not even considered. 100% no without a thought. But they want to preach this society of understanding and compassion. I've not passed the bar, but I'm pretty sure there are some stiff laws against this. Once a mountaineer, always a mountaineer, right? Next, the beer cans all over the car. The cans were in bags and not all beer cans. There is a small group in Morgantown who knows my dad collects cans to recycle. Always has, always will. That's from the That's police. his thing. To act like he was driving around pounding beers as the media wants to portray is absolutely absurd. That's just, all right, what, that's just the middle part I, 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 of what she said. We says. haven't read the full statement. Maybe she'll address uh, why he thought he was in Columbus and not Pittsburgh. Well, she does start by saying... Um, this is the beginning. I want to be the first one to say, I understand the severity of what took place. I also fully understand how it potentially could have and does affect so many lives. People are human and people make mistakes. We are all guilty of that in some capacity. Let's spread love and healing and not hate to someone who bleeds gold and blue for all of you. And then it goes into a lot of other things. Yeah. I, I, this is one where this it's is the best emotional reaction for the family member to stay offline when things yeah. like this happen. And I would imagine it's very difficult not to respond. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, and, and my, I don't know if she's in Morgantown or not, but my guess is she's hearing a lot of local coverage too. I mean, it, it goes Non-stop. It goes into a lot of things. She is talking about Ohio well, State's debt while Gordon Gee was there as the president and how if it wasn't for Bob Huggins raising all the money for their athletic facilities, they wouldn't have them, that he gave $17 million or raised $17 million for cancer research, the local hospital, that Gordon Gee had nothing to do with. There's a lot of accusations being thrown around by Bob Huggins' daughter. We'll get we'll get more into tomorrow, and we can fully dissect. Plenty of questions. Just wanted to share that snippet on the other side as well. Uh, Chad, check out the Price Is Right contestant uh, with this uh, injured while playing the game show. I, I don't know. Do you have insurance? Is there an insur- insurance policy from the game show? Are you signing away any? Uh, <laughs> Any responsibility for the for the injury for a dislocated shoulder? Check this out. Yes! <laughs> the celebration is what causes the injury. And and we don't really see when the shoulder dislocates. You'll see here. But you see the aftermath of the shoulder dangling. Look at him. <laughs> oh. And he's still back up there. And he has to spin the wheel. Coming up. I mean, you have no grounds for a lawsuit when you don't even hit no. anything on set. It's just There's you. There's a lot of lawsuits, though, that have no grounds. They're still filed. Acting a fool. They're still filed. Yeah. How dare you give me all this money that I had to celebrate and dislocate my shoulder? Now you will pay my, my medical bills. That was my favorite game show growing up, Price is Right. Do you have a bad story about celebrating Hutton where you were hurt at all? Uh, growing up, I uh, on the... I was celebrating something on the basketball court outside in like our, our, it's not a neighborhood. It was just the, the town we grew up in. It was just a road, right? And anyone that lived on the road, all the kids would come out and play and, you know, bragging rights. Uh, but I turned my ankle off the corner of this concrete basketball slab Oof. and, you know, I limped home and my mom was just like, yeah, you're late. We got to haul some hay. Screw your ankle. Yeah. Put that, some ice on it. That kid. one hurt. That was a bad celebration one. But that—that's it, though. Um, other than that, I was mainly—I was jumping on top of the pile. I was making sure I would—I was not going to be uh, the one that everyone, uh, you know, dog piled. I was joining the dog pile, so I didn't have any injuries. It's amazing what adrenaline can do, you know, in the moment oh, of celebration, to yeah. where you don't feel much. But I have been like the subject of a celebration where there's a lot of uh, like pounding bro hugs. That come your way, you know, and like you don't realize until the next morning you feel like you were in a car accident because people like beating on you in celebration. And then you feel the next day like you got bruises on your chest from people like punching you in the chest in, in celebration. That, that's the worst that it's been for me. I don't think I've ever, there was one time that I was talking trash to someone in an AAU game on the bench and I was like turned talking to them and backing up down the court and someone had just stopped right behind me, oh, and I got, them? like, leveled and fell down like screen. an idiot because I was talking trash to someone on the bench <laughs> and backing up or, like, tripped over some. I forget exactly what it was. I think I may have tripped over someone. Someone may have just tripped me. They saw me talking to their teammate and did that. I'd respect that more. Do you respect uh, the Saturday Night Ladies Steer Scramble where they, they let, uh, let loose a steer in the, uh, in the ring, in the rodeo? This is just a Tuesday and- night for Matty yeah. Ice back and, in uh, Iowa. These women are just getting, you know, Pummeled. drilled. 
by this steer. You got to wait for the end of this because it, it kind of levels out for a bit. Trey Wallace tweeted this last where night. Where no one gets hit for a while, and then this video ends with a woman approaching the steer and just getting crushed. Yeah, no no horns on this uh, on this steer yet. But the uh, the <laughs> this if is, you also if you watch closely, here comes the last hit. Here. I mean, they're they're chasing this. Here we go. This cow and right there, the steer is just that's the demolishing one. them. If you watch closely too, there's one woman, <laughs> the first woman that gets hit right there. The the camera cuts away and it comes back to someone and she's walking off trying to get medical attention. She's like just barely walking. You know, the breast knocked out. Like, please come help. Trying to get out of the the pit after she got hit. Um, so two hundred bucks. The, what two hundred dollars is what we're talking about here? To to win if you're the last person standing, or what do you? Or is, I don't under, So I know Trey put out that risking life threatening injuries for two hundred two hundred bucks sounds like a hell of a Saturday night. Um, but the the video. So does the video show the winner? Is that what you really want? Is two hundred dollars? Is that official? Well, who wins? The you last just, person that doesn't like tap out doesn't leave. I don't know. I mean, the at one point the animal is like trying to avoid them, and then someone else like, <laughs> do you get money by getting hit? I, I don't understand. It's very hard to understand what they're doing because they're not running from the beast. They're going up to the beast and provoking it, the and beast. then getting hit. So, do you make the money by getting leveled? Oh, you have to take the animal down. Uh, Davey oh, says. that's what they're trying to do. I didn't see the story with this. I haven't seen the. I've only seen this video. You have to take them. You have to take the animal down with nothing but just by chasing it. So I guess you just run it to death. It's going to take more than one woman to take the animal down. So they split the two hundred dollars. They do all of them and get two hundred dollars. Because at the end you saw. Oh, by the way, there are like there thirty a, women out here doing this. They 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 got a tight perimeter around the animal, and there were four women ready to pounce. And then it's the beast. beast went after the one woman and got out of it by leveling her. We showed the video about a month ago of the airline where some idiot with 700, 800 feet in the air opened up the emergency exit door uh, on an airline. Well, here, again, just nightmare fuel for me, uh, a plane door opening for a, a band that's uh, chartering a flight and the door opens. And it's still um, less hectic than what I would have expected. Again, it's... It's not a nightmare at all. In fact, if a door opened on a fl- on a plane and it was just like this, this would be my dream. This is like, oh, this is a nice breeze. This is a helicopter ride. You know, it's getting and a little stuffy is, in here. Now I've got a little, we little are draft. We're two for two on this, Chad. Uh, buckle your seatbelt and all is okay. It really is reassuring to know that if something happened, yep. you're not going to just completely fly out of the aircraft. But these, I mean, it looks like they're, they're listening to Yacht Rock. They're so calm as this is well, going Michael on. Michael Bolton's playing. We've all been on a plane that does get a little stuffy, a little hot when you're packed in on everyone. Yep. There have been times where I wish I could crack a window. Well, Super Bowl flights. And this is what happens when you crack the window. Chad, uh, we, we started the show. I want to end it with uh, a, a discussion on John ja Morant because he's pointing uh, – he's not. There's a report from Tim McMahon at ESPN where he says that Ja and people in his camp have, are claiming and are saying – that the NBA and the media is out to get him and those around him, those that are in his immediate circle. The quote is, I've heard indirectly that Ja and people close to Ja, perhaps people formerly close to Ja, have this feeling that the NBA is out to get them, that the media is out to get them. So it's the people around Ja, not as much Ja Morant. But here is 
the response if I'm Ja Morant? Because, Chad, we've seen a lot of stupid antics over the last year plus from him, two of which have led to the 25-game suspension. If I'm John Morant or someone close to John Morant, and this report is out, I'm releasing a statement, I'm doing something on Instagram Live, something where I'm saying, hey, I don't think the league is out to get me. I am serious about this policy that's in place in order for me to get back in December and play for the Memphis Grizzlies, where I'm on, under the max contract as a superstar in this league, where I have a Nike deal, where I have a Powerade ad campaign that was paused, but I'm hoping that it launches soon. I'm going to do everything necessary to prove that I'm going to be back and I'm going to stay back. That's the message to send instead of either staying silent or actually this being true. And there's a lot of complaining behind the scenes and whining going on because the only person that he has to blame is himself at this point based on the soft suspension that was that took place earlier during the season that allowed him to play during the postseason that allowed him to go through drive-through counseling in Florida and allowed him to release a statement that uh, Commissioner Adam Silver backed based on a face-to-face meeting that they took they, that they had and that they held in New York all of that being said anything moving forward is on him and if this isn't accurate they should respond to this and it actually helps him through the perception of who he is, who he claims to be versus what we see and what the NBA has reacted to on camera, either in Denver at the strip club or in the passenger seat in the car flashing the the firearm where his friend is on Instagram Live and he's on his own time, but it's also it's against what the NBA wants publicly out there. The perception is reality of him right now. And I think if this isn't true, even if it is, if he wants to flip perception, come out and say, like, hey, I'm actually serious about this. And no, I don't think anyone's out to get me because I'm going to prove that they're going to jump on board with me again. Yeah, I think he's read too many of his own social media clippings. And what I mean by that is he's read the defense that was pretty bad, I thought, from J.J. Redick, uh, making false equivalencies about others that pose with firearms. He's probably heard from people that said, man, you're getting 25 games. You didn't break any laws. You legally own that gun. That's crazy that the league would do that to you. And the bottom line is the guy is a repeat offender when it comes to issues. Uh, It's not just this latest incident with him. It's multiple times that he filmed himself on social media flashing a gun, once at a strip club, once with his buddies out hanging out. But that comes on top of threatening a high school kid after a pickup basketball game at his house, which, by the way, that came before – being investigated by the league for pointing a laser pointer and a gun at the Pacers team bus, which also happened to come around the same time that his mother called him and his buddies to a footlocker to rough up a manager that she had a disagreement with. So it's not, there's too many false equivalencies being made. I think John Morant, if he's in fact buying that load of BS, he's read too many of those and he's decided that they've got it out for me the NBA and the media, and that's just not the case. He's got it out for himself. He's being stupid. I fear that he just is really stupid, but I hope that he can get smarter and make better decisions. Chad, we will uh, have an even better show tomorrow. Dan yes, Dockich will. will join us. Clay Travis is on the show as well for the Wednesday edition. Plus, the next better than the last. Plus, we have factor backs back in the vocabulary. Merrill Hodge joins the show tomorrow. Yes. 3 o'clock Eastern is when we start. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. 
Hope you'll join us for the Wednesday edition and all the shows online, outkick.com.